from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. With that being said, we have Mr. John Wallace here with us here in hour number two of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. John Wallace joining us on the live line and Otis Hill to follow. John, what's up? How you doing? Yeah, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing well, brother. And, uh, I mean, I'm just talking about the news that came out this morning. Uh, perfect timing for you and Otis to be on the show. What are your thoughts of the fact that Syracuse lost to Virginia at the buzzer and it just came out that Virginia is not going to be playing the rest of the tournament? They've conceded the game to Georgia Tech, so the team that beat Syracuse is now heading home. What are your thoughts? It's, it's it's just so apropos for the season that's been going thus far, you know, with everything and all the stoppages. Uh, it just sucks that you know we uh, we lost at the buzzer and now they're not even playing. It, it's it's hard, man, but you know it's, it's not a perfect system because it's, uh, it's we're all new to this. So uh, hopefully we're able to get into the tournament. I think we should be- definitely get into the tournament. Um, you know, I thought we played good enough yesterday to win the game, you know, so, you know, there's no shame in losing to the number one team in our conference who, you know, Virginia's a really good team, but we played them really tough yesterday and hopefully the, the committee will see that we definitely deserve to be one of the teams that's in the tournament this year. Yeah, you know, in, in a, a somber morning in the sense of, you know, just what a, a Syracuse fan, a Syracuse alum like yourself would feel. How are you taking the news that the team that barely beat your alma mater isn't there? I mean, did, did you almost want to hope that the ACC called Jim and said, turn the plane around? I mean, I, I can imagine that's what people are feeling today. Yeah, but, you know, you don't ever want to get a victory like that. You always want to earn your, your victory. So um, we, we lost. we lost yesterday. And now, um, you know, we're getting back. We're, we're, they're back in Syracuse, and I'm sure they're prepping, and they'll be watching uh, Selection Sunday together like we always do. It's like a tradition, and hopefully that tradition um, stays true to, you know, the Cuse ways, man, in terms of I think we definitely deserve to get that, that, that bid. So, you know, can't worry about the game that we lost yesterday. Can't worry about the fact that, Virginia tested positive. We just got we got to focus on what's important for us, you know, in terms of uh, what's next. And what's next is up for us is the NCAA tournament, hopefully, and prepping for that. Speaking here with John Wallace this morning, Syracuse Orange basketball alum and friend of mine, John. Before we go anywhere with with the tournament talk and whatnot, I said something earlier about you know kids believing in their dreams, adults believing, you know, really any age, believing in their dreams. When I was watching you and Otis on the court back when you were playing in, in 1996 in that uh, championship game, I was 10 years old. And now I, I look I look at this at, at 35, 25 years later, and, you know, I, I call you a friend, I call Otis a friend. What can you say about how life is, how 
how beautiful life can be and, and about stories like that where, you know, my, I mean, you've always been my favorite player, you know, still to this day. And I, I got so many alum that come on the show and, and I love them all. But, you know, I told you you're my favorite and, and you always were. My, my mom and my dad would attest to that. But the fact that we're friends today, after I watched you at 10 years old, glued to the screen, you know, what does that, what does that say about life that, you know, as an adult, I call you a friend, but, you know, as a kid, I, I was just hoping to meet you someday. Well, it's, it's very humbling, you know, and that's what I, I constantly reiterate to everyone I come across, um, that, you know, the Syracuse people, the Syracuse fans, it's, it's nothing, it's nothing like it. They, they never, ever have wavered. They never vacillate. They, they, they just, they just love Syracuse, man, through and through, no matter what, you know, and that's, and that's the same with yourself, you know, like you were watching our team when we were, t when you were 10 years old and now you're doing your own radio shows and, you know, you're part of the Syracuse, uh, thread now. So it's, 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 it's special to see like yourself come up and you, you've been a, a you know, in, 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 in love with Syracuse since you were a little kid. Now the fact that you get a chance to cover them is just like it's coming full circle. So I think there's a lot of stories like that in, in the Syracuse area with with people like yourself, you know, with a connection to like people like myself and other players on the team. So that's what it's all about, man. That's why Syracuse is such a close-knit community. You know, and, and on your birthday, I shared – the vid I have no shame. So on, on your birthday, I shared the video of our first interview. Do you remember what you said to me when we were golfing partners? And at the end of it, and I and I shared it. I was like, "Listen, I want to. I want everybody to see it." You and I talked about basketball through and through, everything that was going on at the time. And at the end of it, I said, "John, am I a good golfing partner?" And you said. I am, I, I am, what, what did you say? You said, I am a terrible golfer and, and, and Dan Totora, what did you say? You said Dan Totora is the worst golfer I've ever played with. And I'm just a little bit better is what you said. So I, I remember that. Listen, I'm good at putting. I'm not good at driving, but the first time we ever talked, I thought it was great. You looked right into the camera and said, Dan Totora is a horrendous golfer and I'm just a little bit better. So do you remember that? Oh yeah, I remember that, and that's 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 really true. I mean, I, I don't really I don't really golf, man. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I don't get out there. I do it for some charity events and play around or whatever. But I'm not like a avid golfer. I don't. I'm not looking. I don't play golf in my own personal time. It's only for, like I said, charity events and work events that I do. So I'm not even. I know I'm not that good of a golfer. And I'm not trying to get better. Everyone kept saying I was going to get the golfing bug. Uh, I just don't ever feel like I'm going to get that. You know, um, all my friends I play with and all my teammates, they're all like serious, serious golfers, man, and I just don't get it. So <laughs> they, they kept telling me I was going to get the itch one day, but it's never going to happen. I Listen, I'm with you, and I tell people all the time because I played basketball growing up and, and, and got recruited D3 and whatnot, and I, and I can tell you for a fact, John, I think – that the sign of being a good basketball player is being a terrible golfer. So <laughs> I, I, I think you're right on, you're par for the course. You're, you're one of the, you're one of the greats. 
of Syracuse history, of Big East history, of college basketball history, and then going to the pros and having longevity there. So I think you being a bad golfer just reiterates how good of a basketball player you are. I think I think all the other good basketball players who are who, call, who claim them, you know, to be really good golfers would, would uh, definitely not agree with you. But <laughs> I, I agree with you, Dan. So it's all good. <laughs> so John, I got to ask you about this. Speaking of your time. Uh, professionally in the NBA here with John Wallace from Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball History and a good friend of mine. Uh, John, for you to look at what happened in this Big East tournament, Georgetown goes to Madison Square Garden and Patrick Ewing gets like accosted. He gets stopped everywhere. They don't know who he is. They're asking him questions. They're asking to see his ticket. What are your thoughts on Patrick Ewing not getting recognized in Madison Square Garden, and if you ever thought that something like that would happen, no, it was, it was shocking. And um, you know, he's he he's like you know, I'm playing with Patrick and uh, knowing him for so long now. He is the consummate pro. He was he epitomized the you know what work, hard work and bringing it every day really was, and um, he, he he wasn't. Uh, an overly vocal leader, um, but if you watch him, he led by an, uh, like a perfect example. Uh, he is irrevocably the hardest working person, athlete I've ever been around, and you know. So I don't know if those guys don't remember they they're too young. I don't know what's going on, but it, it, it's kind of hard to imagine that you know. Someone in the garden didn't know who Patrick Ewing was. I mean, know, but I, I'm sure right now Patrick's like, you know, whatever, because they won a, a incredible game yesterday against Villanova. And I'm sure that that win and everything else usurped everything that happened to him personally because he was feeling good for his team for pulling out a, a huge upset yesterday. Yeah, you know, and, and, and to see, I mean, for you to know that Syracuse-Georgetown rivalry and to live it, and then to be teammates with Patrick after the fact with the Knicks, what has it done in your life? Because you have such a unique angle on it that you hate Georgetown because you're Syracuse, and then you become teammates with someone who epitomized Georgetown, and now you see him as the head coach of Georgetown. It's almost like living three different lives for you. What can you say about that? Well, um, you know... Once you get to the league, man, um, obviously you have your college alliances, but you, you're gonna you have to learn to get along and, and play whatever te- whatever teammates you have. So, and obviously, me coming in as a rookie to 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 the team, or it was Patrick's team. You know, you you had to figure out a way to to make everything work, and it definitely wasn't gonna work with me coming in. Um, talking some Syracuse Georgetown rivalry when we're in the NBA and Patrick Ewing's the man and all that. So, um, we, you know, we, we still we had our bets and we, you know, whenever Syracuse Georgetown play, we we bet there and all that. But you know, for the for the most part, man, once you get to the league, you're just happy to be there. And now you got to figure out how to how to stay there. Yeah, you know, and and being in the league and having that time, you got to spend time in different places and different areas. What, what can you say about your experience? Because with COVID, it's obviously changed things. The NBA is carrying on. They're pushing through. 
they had to stop their season last season, and they were kind of the, the first domino that fell, so to speak, with them and the MLS and the MLB and the NHL coming together saying, we're not going to put media in the locker room, and then before you knew it, the NBA was, was done. What can you say about your experience of traveling around the country and then knowing, like, namely, being with the Toronto Raptors, they're playing in Tampa right now. Everybody gets to play at home except for Toronto. What would be your advice to the guys on the team now from what you experienced and, you know, just the fact that they're going through something so unique because you got to really breathe in Toronto and these guys don't even get to sleep in their own beds at night? Yeah, it's just, you know, it's a completely different world and everyone's, uh, you know, adjusting to to the, the to the new world and a new the new way of you know things are being done and uh, um, the way Canada put up their mandates and restrictions it just wasn't going to be feasible for a team to get in and out of uh, Canada easily and so it, the NBA made a wise decision to put them down in Tampa um, it, it displaces them but at the same time they're, they're still able to compete and play basketball and I'm sure they weren't that mad about it in the winter time when it's uh, you know minus ten degrees up in Canada and they're down in Tampa. Uh, weather-wise, it was a lot better. So yeah, you know you got you got you got to look for the silver linings and everything and try to focus on that and not just focus on the negative uh, that's going on around you. Here with John Wallace, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum, this morning. You talk about focusing on the positive. I want to go back to the 1996 Final Four team. I want to do something with you, and I'll do it with Otis in, in just a little bit that we've never done before. And that is, I'm going to say a name, and I want you to say the first word that describes them to you of your teammates. I'm just going to run down the list, and I want you to say the first thing. We're going to play word association. First name on the list, Lazara Sims. That's my boy. When I think of Z, I just think of a incredible pastor, man, since we were playing together at age 14. All right, incredible passer for Lazar Sims, Jason Cipolla. The shot. You know, when, when you think of Jay, you think about the shot he hit against Georgia on the baseline, um, you know, coming in from Juco and everything. So it's definitely the shot that he hit on the baseline. All right, Todd Bergen. It's my man. That's that's He's probably, uh, you know, my, my, my closest uh, friend from back then. We, we talk all the time still, so. I would just say um, my, my brother, my, my true brother, uh, you know, Tom Bergen. That's my closest friend from, those, from that team. I love hearing that because I finally got to talk to Todd a few months back, and it was awesome. It was amazing to, to be It was even better than I thought it would be. The conversation with him was incredible. Marius Janoulis. When I think of Marius, man, I think of the growth he made when he first got there, coming from Plattsburgh or whatever, and, Playing in a small town, he had to make a huge adjustment uh, to the, to Syracuse, trying to get his shot off. He's such a good shooter, but he, it took him a while to adjust to the speed. So uh, I, w- I would just say the work ethic, because Mario put in a lot of work. Marius Janulius, he, he put in a lot of work to get where he uh, to, to just get time on the team, and you know he's doing well in life and in, in the business world now. So I, I would just say work ethic for uh, Marius. Perfect. This man is is listening this morning. He'll be on the show soon. JB Reefsnyder. JB. <laughs> when I when I when I think of JB, I think of uh, you know when he was 
and there's now a one word association. I can't one word associate my man JB. JB, he, he was he had this little dunk he used to call, and uh, he, you know, and he rarely he didn't really dunk the ball that much, but he had like a he, he like would name his dunks, and we'd be like, Jay, why are you wasting your time naming dunks? You rarely dunk the ball. <laughs> Remember any of the names of the dunks? No. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta dunk more for me to remember them. You know what I mean? <laughs> how many times? How many times do you remember him dunking? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I really don't. Cause JB, he would dunk in practice, but when he got in the game, he would like, he would like lay it up real quick or something. So I'm not sure. I'm sure he did dunk by that. You know, I wasn't keeping track. We didn't keep track. Like, we weren't in the analytics back then, so we weren't like, yeah. you know, you, you had 12 dunks on Tuesdays, and, you know, and, you know, you just you just played the game, man. You just played the game. You didn't really care about all the, all those, uh, uh, you know, little, you know, little stats and all that. Um, you just, you just went out to compete every single day, and you know that as long as you did that, good things are going to happen. Don't worry about all the ancillary um, issues and all that. I mean, I mean, back, I mean, not that basketball, basketball is an amazing game. It always will be, but you know, basketball, there's something about the beauty of it back when you played it that sticks out. I want to continue here. David Patrick. My man, DT. When I, when I think of uh, Dave Patrick, I think of uh, the rapper mystical. Because none of us have really listened to him or heard of him, and Dave Patrick playing in Louisiana by way of Australia, he he saw we talk about that mystical cat and playing the music, and I'm you know, I still talk to Dave Patrick here and there all the time. Um, he's doing well coaching, and he's a really really good guy, man. But when I think of Dave Patrick, I think about the rapper Mystical because the first time I heard him was uh, from David Patrick. Which I think is awesome because Mystical, also one of the rappers that I know, and I wrote something to him on Twitter, and he responded to me. So I thought that that was really cool too that you mentioned Mystical because I have a connection to that. What, what could you what What could you be tweeting to Mystical, man? Uh, I heard I heard one of his new songs, and I just shouted. I put I tagged it, and I was like, you know, Mystical's still relevant. He's got it going on, like whatever. And he was just, and he wrote back to me. And I was like, listen, listen, John, I'm a cultured man. Like, you don't understand. I listen, I listen to, I grew up on the same, like, my music is so, it's so vast. My cat, my, my, like, what I listen to. But my mom, who is also a big John Wallace fan, shout out to my mom, Debbie. So my mom knows that my music growing up was, was Diddy, Notorious B.I.G., Tupac, L.O. Cool J, Mace, Boys to Men, New Edition, Nat King Cole, Natalie Cole, Peebo Bryson, Luther Vandross. Like, I was, I, I had really, really, I'm, I, I'm still searching for that music, John. I'm still looking for it. Because, like, nowadays, like, John Legend's got a little bit. 
I'm a fan of Drake. I'm a fan of Wayne. But there's there was something about being alive back then and hearing that music. So, yeah, I had a lot to say to Mystical. And whatever I I mean, I just, I don't know. It was a song I kept playing. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to tag him. And I said something to him. And he was like, that's what's up. Or he sent something back to me. And I was just like, and I called my buddy. I was like, yo, Mystical just responded to me. And he's like, what? <laughs> so, but it was, it was cool. But also, Charlie Murphy, Eddie Murphy's older brother that passed away. Love his comedy. I wrote to him when he was coming to Syracuse. And he wrote back to me like, I'll see you there. And then I got to meet him and I got to talk to him and I got to shake his hand. And that was a year before he passed away. So I uh, I was very much appreciative of that. Uh, J.B. Reef Snyder said that he thinks he had at least two dunks at Syracuse is what he just wrote. So. <laughs> Wait. J.B., if you're, if you're listening, I'm sure you are, J.B. Man, if you're gonna if you're gonna chime in, you don't chime in and say you had two dunks. You gotta chime in and say at least you had twenty, fifty, or something like that, JB. Yeah. You don't chime in and say I had two dunks in my Syracuse career. Come on, JB, leave that alone, man. <laughs> Said he got two. Listen, JB, I'm gonna tell you something. John Wallace has thrown more TVs out of windows than you had dunks, if that's the case, based on a prior conversation. And that is true, especially uh, the Pernell Whitaker Chavez fight that happened at Syracuse, uh, and a couple of Dallas Cowboys losses. The, the TVs got tossed out the out the room, hey, out the window. There, <laughs> there's no lie about it. Bobby Laser, what can you say about Bobby? Bobby um, is, is a, a a guy I was trying to help, and he just wasn't uh, receptive to my help at first. So it didn't it didn't help him because. That just made it worse for him in practice because it went from me trying to help him to me just uh, thoroughly dominating him every single day. And, you know, you got to remember when you're a freshman and uh, a senior or upperclassman is trying to help you, you should try to take heed to it, especially if you're not in the rotation. I'm just trying to help you uh, for, the, you know, the following year. Cause I'm not, you know, I was going to be gone in a year so. But he ended up transferring. A lot of guys transferred that played uh, behind me against me because you know it, it would get it would get ugly in practice, man. In terms of um, the the relentless the relentlessness of uh, you know going one on one every single day, as JB and Otis will attest to, and their own battles. Like you know the way we practiced back then, it was a lot of one on ones, and at the end of the day, you knew who was better, and coach wouldn't save you just because. You know, you weren't good enough to go against one of the guys. He put you in that fire every day, yeah. And that's that's the way you got got. You know, that's the way you get better. And some guys get better, and some guys, you know, transfer. They can't take it. Fair enough, Jim Hayes. My man, Jim. You know what? Uh, Jim Hayes is, you know, being a walk-on, then he earned a scholarship. So that's really it's really hard. He had to put up with a lot of bull. Um, uh, but he earned himself a scholarship. It, but Jim's mentality was Jim thought he should. Jim, Jim thought he was a scholarship player. Jim thought he should have got get more playing time. Like it, it, it and you, you love the confidence. Like Jim really thought he should get like playing time, and he would he would you know he kind of express himself like that way. Like he thought he should get should be getting more playing time. But you know Jim's still a close personal friend. He's doing well out in Boston area. Uh, Doing very well, actually, and um, you know, with his with his wife and kids, and 
life. So, um, but when I, when I think of Jim Hayes, I think of uh, a, a guy who just thought he should have got more than he got from from uh, from Syracuse and from the team. That all coming from John Wallace here, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Doing something we've never done is go back to that 1996 team that made it to the championship game and get thoughts of each of the players from their teammates. And we're going to do that with Otis Hill in just a little bit. Eric Frazier. My man, E. Frazier. I think, I think he tried out for the team one year and got cut. Then he came out the next year and made it. Um, you know, he's one of those kids from New York City who, uh, you know, was, was, was a walk-on. And, you know, being a walk-on at a major university is tough because you're just kind of called upon to practice hard and push the guys and you rarely ever play. So it's a really, really tough um, um, role to, to fulfill. And I think Eric Frazier fulfilled that role adequately. Um, he brought it every day, didn't complain. You know, and most of the walk-ons that played during my time, they just they just came with their hard hat and their lunch pail and they, they brought it. You know, and they and they didn't play a lot, so it's, it's a tough position for them. And I, I definitely uh, respect those guys for being able to do what they did without getting the reward of playing time. Jacarl Riggins. I mean, Jacarl, it was good to see all those guys when we came back for the 2016 reunion. Yeah. Um, you know, Jacarl's another guy. You know, just a small guard who brought it, and he uh, and he and he competed. You know, he that, that little guy. He came to compete every single game. Every single practice. What about Jim May? I mean, James May. I, I ran into James some years ago. I haven't seen him in a while. But James is another guy who had that mentality, like a little bit like Jim Hayes, in terms of um, when he when we were be lose when we lose a game or we weren't playing well, he thought he could come in and actually change it. And you know, you, you love that 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 kind of confidence, but. It's a little bit, you know, obviously jaded, um, you know, uh, but I, I love guys that, that have that much confidence in themselves that they feel like they can do things that, you know, they really can't do, but they'll try to do it anyways. I think Jim, uh, James May was one of those types of type of players that, you know, even though he was small in stature, he, he felt like he could, when, when the things were going bad, he felt like he could do something to help us. The man who had the hair I will never forget. Alimu Nelson. Well, when I think of Alimu, I think of, uh, you know, the, the dreads, right? Yeah. And then, did he cut him off? Uh, I think he, I'm, I'm pretty sure he cut him at some point. And, um, you know, Alimu was a really good defender for, 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 you know, he's another walk on that earned a scholarship. And that, that's something special that coach does. Kind of every year, he gives a walk on a scholarship because you know himself being a walk on. So, um, he has a soft spot for the walk ons and I think that's awesome. Those guys earn it. They're, they're putting in just as much work as a scholarship player. So, it's good to see those guys get rewarded. And Lima was definitely, um, you know, one of our better defenders and um, good size and good athleticism and everything. Uh, so, and he's doing well in the in the real world now. I think that's. You know, most important with all the guys that we're talking about is what they're doing today in their life, and they're all doing well. Yeah. Um, you know, you could re- you know 
all my guys, all my teammates are doing well in life and not struggling at all. You know, that's that's most important. That's key. And Limo's definitely in that line. He's doing well out in L.A. It took him a while. You know, being an actor is tough. And he, he broke through and made his own niche. So um, that, that's what I'm most, uh, I'm most proud about is all, all my former teammates doing well in life now today with their, with, in their respective lives. And it brings me to something that sounds crazy in the world today, but this did exist back then. John Wallace on the same team as Donovan McNabb. What does Donovan McNabb make you think of? Well, when you when you think of McNabb, you know, the first time I saw him, just like, you know, he doesn't look like an athlete. Because he's got, you know, he's got that, that, that kind of body that doesn't look like he's an athlete. You know, he's kind of chubby. Um you know, not long and athletic, but then he gets on the court and he was super athletic. I mean, it was, it was one of those things that you just couldn't believe how athletic he was by looking at him, you know, and, you know, obviously he had to focus on football after, I think he played on team for two years. I know he played a year with me and maybe a year after I left, but um, after that he was, uh, he was focusing on football right and rightfully so. You know, being one of the top quarterbacks uh, during his time in the NFL made a ton of money, and you know, doing a did a tremendous job, you know, off the field and everything. So when I when I think of McNabb, I think of like I, I I just can't believe how athletic he was by just looking at him. Yeah, Elvira Ovchina. <laughs> I, I think of Bosnia. Uh, he, he's the first person I ever met from Bosnia. With all that war and stuff going on uh, back in the early and mid '90s, you know, it, you could see some days it definitely affected him. Um, you know, he had, he still had family over in Bosnia, so I just I just remember, you know, how our world we were we weren't dealing with any of that, and you know, to see him come into practice sometime, and you could tell that, you know, the the war over in his country was 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 taking its toll on him. Obviously, hope the best for for him and for everybody moving forward from everything that happened there and that things only get better as we're glass half full guys here this morning on Wake Up Call. John, last teammate to talk about is the one that will be on in just a couple minutes. He jokingly said to me, oh, I'll, I'll be behind John Wallace like I was at Syracuse. What are your thoughts on Otis Hill? Well, Otis and I played together in uh, AAU also. Um, you know, so we 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 have a relationship since you know uh, our high school days, traveling around AAU, ball and all that. And you know, when he came to Syracuse at, at the time, he had to, you know, he's going against myself and rest in peace. You know, my man, God bless the dead, the late great Conrad McRae. Yeah, and it was a huge adjustment for him playing against guys so athletic and long. So um, I think that's why he ended up redshirting, just to get that adjustment. Same same thing JB did by redshirting, uh, to adjust to the, the length and speed of, of the college game. You know, it takes some guys a little bit longer to adjust. But once Otis did make that adjustment, you know, he, he had some very dominant games that you can look through the stats. So that was my road dog. That was my, that, my big man beside me. You know, um, and, uh, you know, you just, I 
remember the early early practices and him being frustrated and working with Bernie. And, you know, he got better over the years, man, and that's a testament to himself to just keep working and keep grinding, keep grinding. You know, and I, I talked to him because I, I never forgot this, John. I mean, your your team, probably, arguably my, my favorite team that I've ever seen growing up. When my dad would tell me, hey, we're going to the Dome, I'd get so, I mean, I was like, I'm going to see John and Otis, and I'd get so excited when my dad would say we were going to see that team, your team. For you, that moment that I'll never forget because it's in one of the restaurants here locally, and it's it's uh, it's just a cutout picture of your arm around Otis after you guys were in the championship game and, and, and didn't win the championship over Kentucky. I talked to Otis about that, and I don't want to load the question by telling you what he said. Do you remember what you said to him when you put your arm around him? After the game? Yeah. I, I, I remember ver, uh, exactly verbatim what I said to him. It was, um, this is why we came here, for this feeling. You know, uh, th- th- there's nothing like that feeling, man. And Like I keep saying, there's nothing like the, the, the Syracuse and Orange Nation and the way they support us and continue to support us even through now and, and today and things that we're, we're doing and uh you know so there, there's nothing like being a part of that orange family and uh, you know i put my arm around them and just said this is why we came to, to syracuse there's no better feeling and that is amazing and john with that before i let you go i want to know from your words why does syracuse deserve to be in the tournament this year from what you've seen from what's going on quincy garrier just said before you came on the show to me that he believes this team has played their best basketball in the last four games, which were a win over North Carolina at home, a win over Clemson at home, their third win over NC State, this one coming on neutral court after beating them at home and on the road, and then pushing Virginia to the brink of a last-second shot. So he believes it's the, they're playing their best basketball right now. Why does Syracuse deserve to be in the NCAA tournament, in your opinion, this season? We've, you know, we've. It's been a rough year for everyone, not just Syracuse. It's just been a, a crazy, trying year for everyone. Um, and the fact that we were able to put together, uh, you know, string string together a couple of victories at the end, um, with, with, along with some other good victories over the season. And I, I think at some point the NCAA they gotta, you know consider it's not just that one year sometimes right it's the it's the body of work that a program has it's the it's the fan base it's it's all the it's all things that go into the selection that i don't think it always factors in but if you factor all those things in then there's no the syracuse is a lot to make it i I think you know coach deserves the the team deserves to make it um and, and, and hopefully just like the last time, everyone was crying about whether we should be in or be or not, and we made it to the Final Four. So let's let's get in and just do handle our business and do what we have to do. I'm I'm, I'm hoping on Sunday we uh, we all hear some good news and we're all jumping for joy. Coach, I have practice like he always does right afterwards. Because that excitement of that practice after you get selected for uh, the, the tournament is always the like one of the best practices of the year. Everyone's just feeling good and upbeat ready to go and compete in the NCAA tournament. 
John, who do you think is the catalyst of this year's team? And who is your favorite player to watch? Well, uh, well uh, I think the catalyst is Merrick in terms of what he does inside, getting the guys the shots, being very uh, unselfish. Um, you know what Buddy's doing now. Buddy's playing at an incredible, incredible uh, rate right now. He's playing unbelievably well. Um, and I, I would have to say my favorite player is probably, it's a, it's a split between Buddy and Kadari. Okay. I think I think what Buddy's doing with the pressure, being coach's son, and you know having a, you know, have, have people question, you know, is he on the team because of coach? Is he on the team because he can play? And I think he, he's quelled all those notions with with his year this year in terms of can he play or not. It has nothing to do with him, uh, him being coach's son. He's earned it, and he's and he's getting better, and he's working his butt off every single day and, and I just love the way the kid Kadari plays in terms of uh, he's making people dance out there to no music man he's he's getting by everyone everyone uh, is kind of playing on the drive and he's still able to get to wherever he wants in the paint every game he's he, he really good just gotta keep working get, you get in even better shape so he can play at a at a higher uh, intensity level for longer stretches of the game you know that's one thing freshmen have to learn is how to play at that intensity for sustained periods of time that coming from john wallace syracuse orange men's basketball alum here on wake up call with dan tortora inside of the cafe kubal studios john final thing here uh, this you know th- this is something that's been a long time coming but you and i got to build a friendship that has lasted now i would say what almost a decade which i i can't believe it and and i appreciate it so much you know a little kid back in the day there was no twitter there was no facebook there was no way to reach out you could write a letter if you could find an address but there wasn't an easy way to reach out to your favorite player now you know the the way that we get to connect with each other is amazing getting to connect with your kids and being able to do something for you in that respect but to meet your daughters to meet your sons to build up my relationship with them all, you know, I, I I appreciate them so very much, and they're amazing. And you should be such a proud dad. And so to flip it in the other direction, my mom and my dad are more than likely paying attention to this right now. So, John, the kid in me has to ask this of you. Uh, what do you want to say to my mom and my dad, having known me for almost a decade, knew that, you know, you were my favorite player, and that I've been watching you since I was, what, eight, nine, ten years old. So what do you want to say to my parents right now? And uh, and I want to note that my mom also considers you her favorite player as well. Well, one thing's for certain, your mom knows talent. <laughs> she, she, she considers me, you know what I mean? <laughs> but no, man, they, that's just the Syracuse way. I feel like, uh, you know... Um, most of the parents in the Syracuse, Rochester area, they, they're putting their kids in Syracuse gear uh, in their toddler stages. And, um, you know, it's it's just something you grow up with. It's, it's a part of it's a part of your ilk when you're when you grow up upstate and you know, you're into sports, you're, you naturally just gravitate towards Syracuse. And your mom and dad did a great job of not only getting you involved in Syracuse, but now that 
involvement has led to you having a career and a job. And that's really what, what it's about, man. So shout out to your mom and dad getting you started on the right path early, not even knowing that they were, they were setting you up for a career of being a Syracuse uh, uh, fan for the, for the rest of your life and being able to start a business and a career doing it. That's awesome, man. So that coming from John Wallace this morning. John, before I let you go, I have to, and my mom says she does know talent, JB said that it is very true that you've thrown more TVs out than dunks he's had at Syracuse. So he wants you to know that. And my final thing, because a friend is a friend, I'm going to flip the script. You know, we're waiting on the committee. Obviously, we're excited about that. I think Syracuse deserves to be in. You always get asked questions. I want to let you ask a couple. Otis is coming on in just a second. So... Ask me a couple questions, anything in the world. Put me on the hot seat, John. Remember that we're friends, and remember that I care about you and your family very much so. With that being said, you got two questions to put me on the hot seat. Go ahead. Uh, my first question to you, Dan, is why do you even play golf? <laughs> when you're that bad, man, why do you even play golf? I mean, you, you're, you're a reporter. You're a TV, uh, radio personality. need to just stick to uh, talking about the game. Don't pick up any more sticks, man. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to tell you. Wait, what did you say? I said you're worse than me, so you shouldn't be playing any golf. <laughs> Listen, I am fantastic at putt-putt. So I'm going to stick with putt-putt and do my thing there. It's perfect for dates. It's perfect for all that, you know, make that happen. So I'll stick to putt-putt. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I, don't, I, I, I will tell you what I tell a lot of people. I am a fantastic, dare I say, Andretti racing style golf cart driver. So I will drive the cart and everybody else can play. How about this? How about when, when we do the charity events, you get your cigar, sit in the cart, you and I will enjoy the weather, we'll talk about sports, we'll laugh like we always do, we'll get some drinks and have a good time, and we'll let everybody else play the game. Sounds fun, my man. I appreciate you having me on your show, Dan. Absolutely. You got one more question, man. Throw it out there. No, that's it. That was the only question I had. Okay. okay. You just want to you just want to keep me off the golf course. That's all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're the question guy, man. All right, brother. Well, listen. Have a great day. Please say hi to the family and send them my love. And I look forward to uh, nothing but good news on Selection Sunday. But no matter what, I know that you bleed orange forever, and and I respect you and I appreciate you, and I'm proud to be your friend. Thanks, my brother. Appreciate you, man. All right. Take Talk care. To you later. Talk to you soon. Take care.